My kids have been asking about puberty. Yeah. They're like, they're fascinated. I've been telling them, I said, you know, like, I mean, they know they're growing up. They get that because they're getting bigger and stuff. But I've been telling them for a long time that uh, I really, really don't ever want them to be teenagers. And, and they're like, why? And I'm like, well, because before you become a teenager, you go into puberty. And that changes you in ways that are horrible and, and ruin you. And so like, well, what do you mean, Dad? I'm like, well, okay, so there's, you know, there's these hormones that you get. And they start flooding your brain. Um, and then, like, you're already super emotional, um, you get even worse. Like, you become even more emotional. And you, like, I remember I, when Princess Diana died, I was in puberty at the time. And uh, I was watching her funeral and I began to cry. And I'm like, I don't cry at anything. And I sure don't care about Princess Diana. So, what? Now, I'm just terrified because um, Alice is already just like, she cries at the drop of a hat, she screams, she runs around, she doesn't know what she's doing. And I'm like, honey, it's going to get even harder for you to control yourself. And so I'm really, really not looking forward to it. And she's really, she's like, oh, great, I have like an excuse. Once I turn 13, I can flip out all the time and just blame it on, on puberty. I bring this up because uh, my kids are very well aware of the fact that they're becoming something. They're not static. They're, they're, they're in the process of becoming. And, and, and most of us get that. It stops for Americans right around the age of 25. At 25, you can rent a car, and so there's nothing else that's going to change for the rest of your life. You're not, there's no more, you know, you, you've done it all. you stopped becoming. You've, you've made it. You've become an adult. The Bible disagrees. Let's read today's text. This is uh, Matthew 4, 17-23, lightly edited by me. From the Greek. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come after me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. Before we jump in too far, I do want you to know what's going on. The text begins after that, or from that time on. And what's happened is uh, Jesus has gone out into the wilderness. He's been tempted by the, the, the enemy. And then he's come back. And he's, he's, he's living in Capernaum, which is really close to the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. And he's, he's just waiting, it seems like. And then news comes that John the baptizer, his cousin, has been sent to jail. Uh, he's been jailed by Herod. And at this moment, Jesus says, this is it. This is my time. My time has come. It's time for me to get moving. So that's kind of what's going on in the background. He, and and what, it, what does it say he, do, he does? He starts walking around yelling out, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, the word for repent uh, really just means turn around. 
Uh, typically in, in churches, when you hear the word repent, you're usually thinking about, I have this one sin I need to repent from. And that's true, especially if that sin is keeping you from doing something else. And that is namely participating in the kingdom of heaven. Really what Jesus is saying is he's like, turn your whole life around. You've been going with the flow. You've been accepting that you're part of the kingdom of Israel or the kingdom of Rome or the kingdom of Capernaum or the kingdom of northern Israel or the kingdom of America or the kingdom of Orange County or the kingdom of San Juan Capistrano. Turn around. There's a different kingdom you're a part of. It's the kingdom of heaven. And realign all of your values and all of your uh, attitudes and habits and practices in line with that kingdom. So he probably got a little famous He's running around saying this, and people are probably listening, and words are getting out about him. Who is this Jesus? Is he the one we've been waiting for? And then we have this, this funny text where he, he sees a couple of fishermen, uh, and they're casting a net, and, and, he, and he has to call out to them. They're probably not too far off of the shore. Um, the, you can catch fish pretty close to the shore in the Sea of Galilee, but he has, probably has to yell, and he yells, Come! Follow me! I will make you fishers of men. If you've been in church for a long time, you may remember Luke's version of this uh, the story where he like he tells them where to go and they get their nets and they get a whole bunch of fish and and, and that's that's all true. It's real, but it, that's not the point Matthew wants to make. I want to zero in on the point Matthew wants to make. He just says, "Come, I'm going to make you fishers of men." The question is, how long does that take? And at what point, you know, do Peter and Andrew, like, we did it, we made it, we're, we're, we're fishers of men now. Um, I don't recommend you watching this movie, but if you happen to see Step Brothers, uh, you'll, it's, I mean, it's a horrible movie, but also very funny at the same time. It's interesting because it's, uh, the two main characters, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, are playing 40-year-old men who live with their parents. Uh, they, they're, they're, biologically, they've become 40 years old, so they have the bodies of adults, but they act like teenagers. They, uh, you can see even in this, in this photo, right, like, no one wears a Mountain Dew t-shirt when they're 40. When you're 40, you either wear a collared shirt, or if you can get away with something like this, you know, while you're preaching, that's what you do. But you don't wear, you know, a shirt with, like, Converse shoes around. You don't drink blue Powerade when you're 40, 40-year-olds have upped their game a little bit, and they drink things like, what do 40-year-olds drink? Wrong, wrong. We drink water because we're dehydrated all the time. Our bodies are falling apart, and we need to constantly hydrate or we won't have any energy. Yeah, that right. And then coffee, of course, because we're exhausted. Yes, but we don't drink Blue Powerade. Kids, Jacob, this is what you have to look forward to. Pepsi. Uh, the, it, what's, what's interesting about the movie is, of course, you know, the, the, the inherent funniness, right, of two 40-year-olds acting like teenagers. But it highlights a, an issue that's come up in our, in our, our culture. We've noticed, we found out, realized that, um, uh, that, that becoming an adult is actually a really malleable process. It, it's very changeable by culture. So, for example, uh, in the ancient world, you became an adult usually at around 13 years old, around the time of puberty. Right? In fact, actually, after puberty, because puberty actually happened a lot earlier in the ancient world. Uh, we know that it's not just a cultural thing, it's not just a, a neural thing, it's also a physiological thing throughout your body. The actions that take place that cause us to grow and 
uh, you know, hair pit, uh, uh, arms in our hair pit, arms, hairs, hairs. I was about to make a joke about Joe Biden talking, but I'm not going to. Hairs in the armpit. Uh, the same thing. The same thing happens, um, but it happens a lot earlier in traditional cultures. And so sometimes you'll hear a story about, say, like a nine or ten year old girl getting pregnant. Okay, that wouldn't happen in the United States because uh, in first world cultures, our our bodies change later than they do in, in in more traditional cultures. And so we know we've discovered that the process of becoming an adult is it's changeable. And now they say that adulthood doesn't really start until around, around the age of twenty five. Sometimes as late, in my case, as 28 or 30, right? It's just, it's a different world, and we've, and we've, we actually know, we've got pictures of the brains of adolescents and the brains of adults, and we can see how adult brains have much deeper neural grooves than uh, the, the, the minds of teenagers, and which is why teenagers and young adults are much more, uh, they can change their minds much more than adults do. Adults have a much harder time uh, accepting new information, coming around to a different point of view. Uh, really, once you're, once you're about the age of 30, it's very difficult for you to embrace new ideas. Whereas if you're you know, 18, that's super possible. And so there's the possibility now, there's the possibility that your life is an endless Adolescence, an endless becoming. Contrast uh, these two clowns, these jokers, uh, with Ursi Joyner. Ursi uh, Joyner uh, retired last year from the Oakland Police Department. He, um, he had a very interesting career because when, in 1995, he, uh, was, he had more arrests than anyone else in the state, I believe. He had like 400 plus arrests in one year, all gang and drug related. And at the time, he said, my purpose in life, who I am, what I am, is I'm a cop, and what I'm doing is clearing the streets of bad guys. And that was, his, that was who he thought he was. That's what, but interestingly, he, he noticed that no matter how many arrests he and his partners made, violence was not changing in Oakland. There was something else going on. He, he realized for every time he put uh, this person away, two more gang members took uh, his or her place. How do you stop the problem? Over the course of his career, he realized that rather than being just a police officer, he had to be made into something more like a community presence where his job was, yes, to help get rid of the bad elements, but also to build up um, the good elements and to have deep relationships in the community. And once he started that and began to get other police officers to follow him, he got promoted and, 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 and violent crime in, in Oakland started declining for the first time in decades. The point is, is that, that you, at no point in life do you stop becoming. Right? Whoever you know, Joyner is now, he wasn't just five or ten years ago. And whoever, you know, you are now, you weren't just five or ten years ago. You are constantly becoming into who you are. And the Bible takes this very seriously. Going back to the text, notice what Jesus says. I am going to make you fishers of men. You, you understand yourself as fisher people. Great. I'm going to stop you from catching these fish. I'm going to start you catching human beings. And I understand that even though you thought this was going to be you for the rest of your life, it's not. I'm going to turn you into something else. You are always becoming who I know you are meant to be. Notice that Jesus knows. 
that these guys are going to literally just drop everything and follow him. Isn't that odd? Isn't it odd that these guys are going to give up their, their, way, of, their way of making a living, uh, everything that they've known? They're just going to, he, he knows. He's like, he, there's a lot of fisher people out there. He only talks to four of them. He talks to four fishermen. He's like, you guys, come, follow me. And immediately they drop it. All the other fishermen are looking around being like, number one, why didn't you talk to me? And number two, those guys are nuts. So Jesus knows who they're going to become, but they're always in the process of becoming that. And that's the uh, first thing in your note sheets. You must uh, become who you are. Jesus knows the end result for you. He knows where you're headed. But you are in the process of becoming that person. So how does that happen? Like, <laughs> this, is, this is cool. And back to the text. Come after me, Jesus said. I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed. Come. A lot of translations say, uh, come and follow me. I've gotten a lot closer to the Greek because the Greek's super emphatic here. And um, the normal word for follow in Greek gets used in verse 20. Uh, they, dropped their, uh, they left everything and, and followed him. That's the normal word for follow in Greek. Uh, in, what Jesus says to them is more of a command. It's something like what a mom would say. Well, I, you may hear me. I, I, every time I'm walking around, I want my children to come. Come, children, come. Come, children. And I yell it, come. It's a command. It's like, you do this now. And what you're going to do is you're going to follow me. Now, think about how we assume that we find ourselves in our identity. Think about this. It's, it's fa- the, the, the paradigm, the, the, the idea in the United States of America, and really the, the West in general, the first world, is that you're born, and then you go into a... You, you, maybe your parents kind of influence you or whatever, but once you get out from underneath their oppressive, you know, horribleness, you're led into a, a wonderful time of self-discovery. And this can take place in college... It can take place uh, in your 20s. But that's when you really become who you are. And how do you do it? You stop listening to what your parents told you about you and start thinking about what you think about you. I have a picture of what this looked like for me. I was a philosophy major in college. um, Just Davidson College in North Carolina. And uh, I remember, you know, spring would come and we would, the, the professor would be like, let's just get outside, guys. All right, great. We'd sit in a circle and be like, you know, what do you think about your life, Tom? Like, well, I'm super into Taoism right now. That Taoism seemed, they th- seemed like they really have it figured out. Oh, okay, cool, cool, neat, neat. Jessica, what, what do you, well, I, I'm thinking more along the lines of the Stoics. You know, I think that's an important way to live. Well, Tom, Jessica, why do you think those things? And Well, I'm just sitting here thinking about who I am and what I love and what I'm interested in, and I feel like there's a really good match there, right? And that's going to tell me not only uh, who I am as a person, but what I should do for the rest of my life, right? And I feel like if if I just go deeper into me, thinking more about what I think and love and care about, then I'm really going to find myself, then I'm going to really know myself. And that's exactly what Jesus says to, to Peter and Andrew, right? He's like, go back to the text. He's like, hey, guys, let's, um, what I want you to do is we're going to get in a circle here, okay? And we're going to talk about where we've been, where we're going. And I want you guys to really dig deep. Brady, I want you to look inside. 
and find out who you are. Right? Isn't that what Jesus said? Wrong! He's like, come! And he's literally like behind me later in the gospel when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. It's the same language. He's like, get behind me. I'm going to go first. You're going to go second. But this isn't about how Brady feels. This is about what I'm going to do and who, what I say. This is much less like college feel-good self-help therapy, self-expression town, and much more like mama duck and baby ducks. Right? Mama duck and baby ducks. I, again, as you know, I don't know anything about nature because I've never been there, but my understanding is that once a mama duck, like once the ducks get, like they see her, they, what's called imprints on her, this is a thing, their, their little duck brains uh, see her as like she's the pioneer, she's the one who goes before, and we go after her. And whatever she does, whatever she eats, whatever she, wherever she sleeps, wherever she goes, we're going to do exactly what she does. In order to really up the cute quotient, um, I'd like you to know that uh, not just uh, mama ducks can do this. Literally any organism can become a mama duck. Yeah. You wouldn't believe that a cat could do anything good in its life, but look at that. <laughs> look at that. Mama cat. This apparently is a thing with barn cats. Apparently, like, they, uh, they often foster ducklings. So in between killing rats, they... And I don't think ducks eat rats, so I don't know how the ducks survive, but that's a thing. It happens. Human beings can become mama ducks. You can do this too if you want to uh, brainwash some ducks, get them while they're young, and they'll follow you forever. Come behind me. Jesus says, you, know, you want to know who you are? You want to know who you really are? You want to know what you're really destined for? The first thing you need to do is stop looking in and start coming right behind me and doing everything I do. Notice how, how different this is from our, our, our thinking is what you do is you go out and you come up with all these ideas of possibility. You learn as much as you can. And you find the thing that sounds best to you and then that's who you are. Jesus says, no, actually what you do is you look at me, you do exactly as I do. Imitate, turn your brain off, says the guy with the PhD. I, I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. There's a part of discipleship where Jesus says, you're trying to figure everything out. And I get that, and that's going to continue and go on. But what I really, 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 really want you to do is just follow me. Be radically committed to imitate me. Let me go first, you watch what I do, then you do the same thing. And if it doesn't make sense immediately, I guarantee you it will over time. That's the next thing in your note, Jesus. To become who you are, radically commit to going behind Jesus. And I, I phrase it this way because, you know, follow is, we get following. Um, but but this, is, this is more like, you know, you, you just let Jesus be the pioneer, right? Because the mama duck, right? The mama duck's going ahead. If she sees danger, she goes the different, another way. If she has a, be, a better idea of how to get food or whatever, she goes. But the, the idea is not to... Just be, oh, there's mama. It's that she's the pioneer. She's the one ahead. And if you just do everything she does, you're going to be okay. 
And similarly, we are called, if we want to know ourselves, who we truly are, to go behind Jesus. Well, okay. Sounds easy enough. What does that look like? We'll just, just look at the end of this text. It's, uh, it's cool. So, uh, so he gets Peter and Andrew. He goes on. He sees uh, the sons of Zebedee, uh, James and John. This is cool because they're helping their dad fish. And uh, Jesus is like, come after me. And they're like, hey, dad, good luck. And, and they leave him. Uh, there's a whole sermon to be, to be done there about how uh, you junior hires and high schoolers should disobey your parents and follow Jesus. Uh, but I'm not going to give that because they'd be mad at me. Um, so, but instead, notice then what happens. So they do. They, they, they leave Zebedee to run the boat on his own. Um, and, then, and then what do they do? They follow Jesus. What does Jesus do? He, he goes, right? He goes. He teaches. He proclaims the good news of the kingdom. He heals every disease and sickness among the people. Now imagine Jesus' mama duck. James and John and Peter and Andrew, they're baby ducks. And they're going behind him. And what do they see? They see him going. Going to the places that need the kingdom. They see him teaching. They see stuff that they don't know. Incredible facts and truths about the way God's universe really is. They see him proclaiming that the kingdom's here. It's happening right now. Thank goodness that the the way that you've seen the world is not the way that it's going to be forever. Instead, it's going to be the kingdom way. And then they see him doing these incredible healings. And what happens is, and if you watch, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, they begin doing these things. They go out. They begin teaching. They begin proclaiming. They begin healing. Not as well as Jesus, but they're they're in the game. They're, they're, They're doing it. Now, I think that, I, I don't think that we're supposed to literally, you know, because, I mean, Jesus isn't here, so, you know, it's not like Kristen, Kristen, like, goes off to Galilee. Like, that's not the way to, to, to understand this, right? We're not, but Jesus is mama duck, we're baby duck. That doesn't mean go to Galilee, which you still can. And Dennis and Sally went there and said it was great. Uh, you can, but that's not, I think we take this a little more symbolically. Uh, similarly, teaching. Um, yeah, you can teach, and, and I would love for more people to be involved in teaching ministry here, but I, I don't think that teaching, I don't think everyone has that gift, right? And so maybe being a baby duck doesn't mean doing exactly like Jesus like gets up in the synagogue and says things. I don't think that's necessarily uh, what we do. Same with proclaiming, right? Uh, in, in the ancient world, it made sense to go around and being like, the kingdom of God is here! Now when we see people doing that with like those triangle boards or like the signs and long beards, we tend to discount what they're saying. We tend to be like, yeah, that's not, I mean, okay. But that made sense in the ancient world. It doesn't necessarily make sense now. And similarly, healing, you know, we, as much as we want to have miraculous healings, really that was kind of limited in a large way to uh, Jesus' context. And we don't see a lot of that here. So then what do we do? We can ask some questions and think about it symbolically, right? If you're going to become you, if the truth about becoming you is, is following Mama Duck, and what Mama Duck does is, is goes, well then, where are you going? Jesus had a mission. He had a mission that, that he was on. That's, why, that's where he was going. Uh, I think if we kind of take that a little more symbolically, we might ask ourselves, what, what trajectory is your life on right now? 
Where, where are you going? And for a lot of us, I think that the answer is, well, I'm stuck in neutral. I'm coasting. I, uh, I kind of have it figured out. And I don't need to do anything. Some of us are actively on a path that's going to lead to our destruction. Are you the baby duck that's gone off the route? off the, the, the train. Who are you teaching? Interesting fact, uh, kids don't listen to their parents. They, uh, they don't. Your junior hires are really beginning to uh, express that now. Um, they're more and more becoming defiant, oppositional. Even the good ones. Um, and they say that uh, what's interesting about kids is, yeah, they go through like a period of, you know, 15 years where they just do what they do. But really what they've learned from you and what they're learning from you is not what, and it has nothing to do with what you say, or very little. It has everything to do with what you do. When we say teaching, that doesn't necessarily mean getting in a small group and being like, let's open up the Bible, guys. Teaching, is, it's, it's whoever you're influencing, right? What the disciples were seeing was that Jesus was going out. He was, he was influencing the whole you know, area of Galilee. And so they began to do the same thing. And for them, it was like going out and being like, here's what this passage in the Old Testament means. Jesus is the Messiah, stuff like that. Or the kingdom of God is going to look like this, we know, because we read in Isaiah, blah, blah, blah. That's the kind of stuff that they were doing. But really what they're doing is they're influencing. And everybody here is a person of influence in some way or another. And this goes especially for you, junior hires and high schoolers. You are influencers. And, and we know this because now, I mean, there's a, whole, there's a whole thing about being a social media influencer, right? You can make a living. You can make a living now just being a tastemaker. Our culture is powerfully interested in who's influencing who and to do what. Your job isn't necessarily to teach this, this, and this. It's to be an influence on those around you so they begin to see things the way that you see things. And this is the crazy part. When you do that, that's when you become who you actually are. And when you aren't doing that, when you're not being intentionally that, you're becoming something else. You're not becoming like Christ. What are you proclaiming? This is similar. Uh, you know, we, man, we as a, as a culture, we're constantly proclaiming with our attitudes and thoughts. You know what my, my kids think is the most important thing in the world right now? If you know me, what do, what do they probably think? I'm sorry? Video games. Definitely video games. Uh, indeed. Uh, second, in the world, though, they think the most important thing is Tuesday. They think it's the election of Donald Trump and Joe Biden. You know why they think that? Because they see me day in and day out talking to y'all about it, reading my phone about it, watching TV programs about it. They think right now that the most important thing in the world is who becomes president of the United States on Tuesday or gets elected. Is that true? I'm not going to say it's not really important. It is. But wouldn't it be cool if what my kids thought, I thought, was the most important thing in the world was the lordship and discipleship that we experience with Jesus Christ. 
And why don't they? Last, how are you healing? And I I think this for us right now in this moment is the most important thing. Because like I said, I mean, I I, I take this kind of symbolically. I think, um, sure, for the disciples to be following Mama Duck, it was. It was for them to imitate Jesus and to literally do these things, go to places with him and then go to places without him, to to teach about this, to proclaim the kingdom, to literally lay hands on people and to, you know, practice miraculous healings. Um, that's, That's less of how we do things. And yet, man, I mean, pretty divided world we're living in right now, right? Sure could use um, some healing. I mean, stop for a second and think about this. People, people are literally predicting that regardless of who wins the election on Tuesday, that that there may be rioting and killing, burning, protests, mass, whatever. Does that seem right to you? And can you look? And can you? Because I can tell you this. I can look inside, and I can be honest with you. I, I have done absolutely nothing to change that. The best I can say is that I tell people, hey, let's not hate so much. But how many people have I really reached across the aisle to and said, look, I disagree with you, man, but let's make our relationship more important than this. And maybe um, you're one of those people who needs that healing. Maybe you're uh, really, 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 really um, terrified, angry, scared, Maybe you need someone to come alongside you and to be like, you know something? Whatever happens on Tuesday, God still sits on the throne. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say this uh, because I, I think it's really, really important. Uh, Jesus went around and, and the sick and the diseased, they came to him and he laid hands on them and, and he prayed over them. He, uh, he exercised demons. He did all kinds of amazing things. I mean, if you go on in the text, you find out that people with seizures would come and he would uh, lay hands on them. And uh, Colleen Bacon emailed me, uh, elders, we have got to go and lay hands on Randy soon. Randy needs a uh, healing touch and she's right. And um, we need to do that. We need to be involved in a life that is reaching out to people who are broken and sick and being a part of their lives. Um, And and at the same time, I want to make a a challenge to every person sitting here. This week, at some point or another, please reach out to somebody that you know is terrified, angry, hateful, um, and, and express love and compassion to them. Because I, t- I guarantee you on November 4th, there are going to be a lot of people on one side are going to be super happy. About 50% of the country is going to be really happy. The other 50% is going to be pretty bad. And at that moment, we all have an opportunity to practice this, to be the little ducks, to be behind Mama Duck, 
to follow her, to do exactly what she did, imitate. Don't, don't worry about, like, don't, don't try to figure out who's right and who's wrong. Right now, what this country needs and what our communities need is they need to be healed. And the only way that's going to happen is the love and compassion of Jesus Christ going out through us to those who are radically, radically broken and lost. So I've got two people in my mind that I know are either going to be super happy or super sad on November 4th. And I'm committing to you that I'm going to reach out to them and and whatever happens to say what matters most is that we're together, that Jesus is Lord even if you don't believe that, and that all truly will be well. And I am begging everyone here to do the same because I don't want to be a part of any riots and I don't want to be a part of the continuing deterioration of the fabric the social networks of this country I want Coast Bible Church to be a place where the healing love of Jesus Christ goes out day in and day out without fail and here's the thing if you do that You're going to be becoming you, the real you. The person that Jesus created when you believed in him, the spirit that's giving life to you, you're going to become a little more that person. And that's the last thing in your note sheets. Are you becoming Jesus or are you just being? Because this week more than any other in this incredible year, we need to become like Jesus instead of just being. Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, please, Lord, make us people who are just following you like little baby ducks. People who are are, are going in your direction. People who are influencing towards you people who are exemplifying the real world order, the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of America. People who are healing in a divided and violent time. In that, Lord God, make us by your spirit into who we really are conform to the image of your son who is the image of you, invisible God. And instead of seeing division and anger and hate, may we instead see relationships repaired, new, new life, new joy, as we become like you, Jesus, instead of just being In your name we pray, amen.